Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Well, if I haven't had the privilege to meet you, my name is Brooks. I serve as a life group pastor here at New Break Church, and uh, it's so great to be together this morning. Recently, I had a chance to move, and my wife and I decided um, that it was time, and we moved to this new place. We're renting this location, and some of my friends actually who are here this morning were able to help me move there, which was awesome. Um, but the favorite, my favorite thing about where I live now is actually, uh, it's not the backyard, which is awesome, or the fact that we have like a driveway now, and that's cool too. It's actually the washing machine, believe it or not. Yeah, the washing machine, right? Yeah, I, this washing machine is amazing. It, it cleans our clothes. It, it sometimes, it even gets so excited by how good of a job it does, it starts to like bounce up and down. Sometimes I feel like it might be having a seizure. I have to turn it sideways and put a stick in its mouth just to calm it down. But it's just so, it's so into what it does, right? And it's, it's always just doing exactly what we ask it to do. But the interesting, interesting thing about it, my favorite part about it is actually every time I look behind the washing machine, I always find something new. Okay, and it's always very cool stuff, right? So a couple of uh, weeks back, my, uh, my child, my daughter, knocked something behind the washing machine. And for a moment, I thought, you know what? Do I really want to invest the energy in pulling this washing machine away from the wall and hurting my back in the process? And I thought, well, if I don't, whatever was thrown back there is probably just going to melt and start a fire. So, and I love this washing machine. Don't forget, I love this washing machine. So uh, I pulled it out, and sure enough, I pulled out a pair of icebreaker running socks, wool icebreaker running socks, Still in the packaging, my exact size. I looked at it, I was like, whoa, okay, okay, thank you, Mr. Washing Machine. You do a good job and you give gifts. Thank you very much, right? So then, uh, like I pro- a week ago, uh, my wife had all of these, like, it, it was like an accident waiting to happen. Had all of the school supplies on top of the washing machine. And those things get moved all the time. And there was like pencils and pens and scissors and um, paper and all this stuff. And I knew something was going to fall behind there. I knew at some point it was going to happen. But we still put it there. So anyways, we still put it there. And sure enough, uh, someone bumped it. And this huge thing fell behind all the way to the back of the washing machine this time. And my wife said again, hey, Brooks, do you think you could get that out? Because we can't get it and it's too far and you need to pull back. And I was like, okay. But in my mind, you know what I was thinking? This washing machine gives stuff. So I thought maybe there's something behind the washing machine again. So sure enough, I walk to the washing machine. I start pulling it out. And what do I find behind there? A brand new pair of Viore running shorts, size large. I couldn't believe it. It fit me perfectly. I, I ran, I was like, Heather, look. It's another, look, our washing machine gave again. It's amazing. And she said, Brooks, can you look back there for anything for me next time? And I said, I'm sorry. I'm on a running kick and this is just, it's giving me, it's giving me. Um, the interesting thing is I'm always so surprised by what's behind the washing machine. And when I think about our series that we're in, we're finishing our series on the Holy Spirit. I'm oftentimes reminded and surprised by all the new things, all the things that I discover about the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit has been working and been sent by the Father to us. And there's so much that he wants to offer us and to give us in our lives. And, and the first week we talked a lot about who the Holy Spirit is and we also talked about the fact that he empowers us. If you remember, Acts 1.8 was kind of like one of our, the most important passages for our series. You know, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, right? So the Holy Spirit empowers us to be his witness to the world. 
But the Holy Spirit also, as we talked about last week, the Holy Spirit gifts us to be able to serve. Pastor Marcus was talking about the different gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, this week, we want to talk about something else that the Holy Spirit does. We want to talk about what does it mean to, for us to live in the Spirit? What does it look like for us every single day to, to live our lives, to become new people because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our everyday life? For us to be a witness, not only in our witness of the testimony of, of what God has done in our lives, but also what does our life look like and what is our lives becoming? Well, so much of that is connected to the everyday life that we live with the Holy Spirit. So today we're actually going to be in the book of Galatians. So if you can, can you turn to Galatians chapter 5 with me? We're going to go Galatians chapter 5 and we're going to be starting in verse 16. So turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about where we're at in the book of Galatians and what Galatians is all about. See, Paul was sent on a a missionary journey. And and on one of the journeys he went to, he went to this region called Galatia. And in this region called Galatia, he started uh, sharing the gospel. And people started coming to faith and started becoming Jesus followers. And And he was telling them, hey, don't forget that it's by faith that you are saved. It's not anything that you have ever done to garner the the love and affection of God. You are justified by your faith and you are a child of God by faith. That you receive the Holy Spirit by faith. And then after he left, some knucklehead Judaizers came running in and they started teaching them, well, hey, Paul, Paul said it was fine and everything, but we have to add an addition to that. So it's the gospel plus is what they said. And you need to be able to follow the law just like the Jews do. So at Jesus plus the law. So all circumcision and the Sabbath days and all the things that, that the Jews were following, they said that as a follower of Jesus, you also have to do those things. And Paul found out about it and he started to get frustrated and concerned that they were so quickly leaving the freedom that they had in Christ and going back under the, the law. And so Paul wanted to tell them that, hey, in this letter that he's writing to them, that you have received the Holy Spirit by faith, and then now you have to walk by faith in, underneath the, the tutelage of the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's look at verse 16. We'll pick it up here. He says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit. So I just want you to pay attention every time he refers to the Spirit in these few verses. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to uh, the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are, again, check it out, led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious to every single person. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousies, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, this is their pattern of life, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, again, we see the Spirit's work here, the fruit of the Spirit in your life is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He says in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So the first thing that we need to do, we can find, see in the text here is, as we learn to live with the Spirit, the first thing we want to do is we want to first examine our life, examine my life to see what kind of fruit is coming out of my life. This is a great opportunity this morning for each of us to just take, take a moment and just do some self-inventory, some examination. Ultimately, every one of us will produce something in our life. Every one of us will produce fruit. Jesus Christ said it this way in Matthew chapter 7. He said, by their fruit, he's talking about these false uh, apostles, false teachers. By their fruit, uh, you will recognize them. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears what? Bad fruit. In other words, you can't fake what's actually happening in your heart. Whatever's going on in your heart will come out and produce and for others to see. So before Paul takes a mirror and he holds it up to each of us, before he does that, he actually tells us first about the daily battle that each of us are in. That we have this daily struggle. So what is this? Well, look, let's look at verse, uh, verse 17. He says, the flesh... It is in con- it's contrary and desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. So you're asking yourselves this question. Like, okay, you say I'm supposed to walk in the spirit. You say I'm a follower of Jesus. Well then, why do I still struggle? Why do I still find that there's a battle in my life for the decisions that I make? Well, Paul lays it out here, that the flesh and the spirit are in conflict with one another. Well, what is the flesh? The flesh is, in some passages of scripture, the flesh is referring to the human body, this, this tent that we live in. In this context, he's talking about the fallen nature passed on from Adam to humanity, that each of us have a fleshly nature. See, the flesh itself is, is something that, it, it has this tendency to take something good and it twists it, it perverts it. It, it, it wants to please itself over all things. That fleshly desire says, you know what? Sex is good. Why not casual sex? One drink of wine is fine. Why not 10 drinks, 10 glasses of wine? You know what? I'm angry right now. Anger isn't necessarily bad, but you know what? Why not just spill that anger out and just lay it hard on someone? They deserved it anyways. That is the flesh. The flesh desires to please itself. It's contrary to the work of God. See, before we became Christians, we were actually enslaved to the flesh. The scripture says that the flesh was our master. And as humans, as people, we can control a lot of things. We can on the outside externally control kind of our language. We can make ourselves look really good on the outside. But how do we change the heart that begins to produce the fruit that is contrary to God? Well, Paul reminds us that that at our time of salvation, at our salvation, we actually crucified the flesh. If you look a little bit further in Galatians chapter 5 verse 24, so just jump down for a second before we go back up. Paul says it this way. He says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. Crucified is a past tense Greek verb. That means it has already happened. 
That doesn't mean necessarily that it's something that we are doing every day. Yes, we're putting, to, putting our flesh down. We're putting it under control. But we have crucified the flesh once. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says that we, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives within me. What is he talking about? He's talking about the fleshly nature and its dominion and power over all of us was crucified with Christ. So we are no longer under the sway. We're no longer under the power and the authority of the flesh. We now have the option to say no. We now have the option to be free. That there is nothing as a follower of Jesus that can come in and can hook you and chain you for the rest of your life. But God has empowered us to be free. Now the thing is, we may find areas of our heart that are struggles, maybe remaining sin that God, by the Holy Spirit, is going to work on. And there will come a day when we are face to face with Jesus Christ, when this earthly tent we've shed, and the fleshly nature and our fleshly desires and the sinful nature is gone forever. We will never be tempted again. But on this side of earth, on this side of our eternity, there will be a struggle. There will be a battle. See, we're not under dominion of the flesh, but we have a choice whether or not we're going to give in to the flesh. We didn't have that before. So the thing is then, what does it look like when the flesh is in control in our life, in moments, in, in times, in seasons? Well, if we can look at verse, um, verse 19 through 21, and I used the New Living Translation because I felt like some of it was a little bit easier to understand here, right? So look at some of the things on this list. There's, there's, sexual, um, there's sexual immorality and impurity, right? There's, there's different, types of, um, different types of sinful struggles that we may be dealing with and that I deal with on a daily basis. And look at the other part of this. He talks about divisions and dissensions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And he says, and other sins like these, right? Other sins like these. So the first three chunks deal with desires of the flesh when it comes to sexuality, right? What you do with your body, what you think with your mind, the thoughts that run through our heads, that fleshly desire, right? The second chunk he talks about is idolatry and witchcraft. Things that they were practicing, they were being tempted to practice and go back into because they were surrounded by all this idolatry. And then he talks about then this third part. He talks about this, the interpersonal challenges, the, the frustrations, the, the outbursts of anger, the, the, the struggle with one another. And then he ends up talking about really the lack of control about the drunkenness and the parties. And ultimately, these things are things that we may find in our lives. We may, if we take a mirror and reflect it of ourselves, or even if we ask people around us, do you see these, these fleshly things in our life? Now, I'll be honest with you, one thing that I struggle with right now when I, I, I lose patience and I, haven't, I find myself having an outburst of anger, while well, I find myself, when I've got these little beautiful children that I love so much, I find myself getting angry. Matter of fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was actually last week, um, I was trying to get both of my girls out of the car and... It's a wrestling match to get children out of cars. I never knew that as a parent. You're all laughing. You know what I'm talking about, right? So you get one kid out of the car and you're like, let's go inside. And they look at you like, yes, I'm going to go inside. And then you go around to get the other child and you get that one out. And by the time you get the other one out, that child is somewhere else in the van running around just going crazy, right? The thing with my van is I have a push button van start. So I noticed that my daughter was going to the front, hitting the push button start and was pressing on the gas. 
house. And you don't forget, I love my washing machine. I didn't want to lose my washing machine as my child was going to go through and hit the washing machine, right? So I started getting really stressed out and I was like, I was like, free, like freaking out and getting really frustrated and like, Remy, come on, I told you to come out this way. And, and I started to get really mad. And you know what happened? My daughter June says, Dada, Dada, calm down. Why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? And I was like, I started to justify. I was like, well, well Remy and his son, I'm like, I'm talking to my four-year-old about my two-year-old, right? And I realized, man, I can justify the flesh, right? For some reason, for maybe I just as a man, like I feel like it's a lot easier for a man to justify anger, right? Because, man, we've got to be tough. We've got to be strong so we can lose it on people. And, and then we justify it. Well, they deserved it. Well, in reality, it's like this is something that is a reflection of our old nature, that God wants to help remove from us. And I, sometimes, I think one of the best things about being in a life group, I'm reminded, is when the flesh comes out, I don't have to hide it. But I can bring it out in the open and I can ask for prayer. I can bring it out and talk about my struggles. And that's something that, like, in my, my fleshly nature, I kind of want to hide, right? Because sometimes we want to control the way people see us. And so we, we hide the fleshly nature, when in reality, when we see it, that sh that's an that's a indicator light saying, you know what, hey, the Holy Spirit is not in control in this moment. The fleshly nature is. What are you going to do about it? Well, the cool thing is here, we get a chance to look at what does it look like then when the Holy Spirit is leading in our life? Well, look at verse 22 and 23. What does it look like when the Spirit begins to transform us from the inside out? Well, we see the fruit of the Spirit here. We see love and joy and peace, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And honestly, you could do a whole sermon series on just these nine character traits. And for the sake of time, I just want to talk a little bit just about what fruit is and what the Spirit is doing in our lives. So as we begin to walk with Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our heart and begins to transform us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 actually puts it this way, that we are being uh, transformed from the inside out. It's where we get the word metamorphosis, is from that Greek term for transformed. That, that God begins to work in each of our hearts, and then out of our hearts springs all of these things that we see here in the text. We get a chance when, when we allow God to come into our hearts, we begin to see God working. You see, the thing is, fruit is produced when there's life. When there is no life, you will not see the fruit. But when God enters the heart of a man, enters the heart of a woman, he brings these divine qualities. And if you look at every single one of these, you could find, the crazy thing is, you could find every single one of these in the life of Jesus Christ. So what is God doing? Well, God is transforming us and wanting us to, to look more and more like Christ. You see, God comes into our heart and he breaks up the hard soil of our heart and he gives us a new heart. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, they were uh, in Jeremiah chapter 31 and Ezekiel chapter 36, they prophesied that when this new covenant would come, which came through Christ, that God would give us what? A new heart where he would, write the tap, he would write the law on our hearts so that we would desire to do the things of God. It wasn't something that was impressed on you that you were afraid of God if you didn't do these things. 
but it came from a place of love. And that's what God is doing in each of us, is he's building in us the character of God. And so that the longer you walk with Christ, the hope is that when you look at this list, again, this isn't a list of to-dos, this is a list of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our hearts, that we begin to see this more and more in our life. Like, let's talk about love first, because Paul begins with love. He talks about love all throughout the book of Galatians. Love, this type of love, it isn't a sentimental, like, I'm going to hug you for the next three hours kind of a thing. This is something, this is love that's in action. This is Christ-like love that sacrifices and gives and, and moves, it moves you to beyond sentiment, sentimentality to something much greater. This is the type of love that transforms marriages and transforms friendships and really begins to reflect the heart of God because God's heart is poured out into us through the Holy Spirit. There's a guy in my men's group, his name is John. I'm going to tell you about John for a second. Uh, a week or two ago, I got a phone call from our illustrious Bev, who is an incredible French bakery, an international renowned chef and baker. Um, she called me out of the blue and said, Brooks, I have a very large banquet tomorrow. Um, do you know anyone that is willing to smoke about 100 pounds of meat tonight for me? Right? And I would love to have said, yes, I will do it, but I don't know how to do that, right? Nor do I have a smoker, nor I just, I, I couldn't. And so she said, do you know anyone? And in my heart, a name popped in my heart. My, in my heart, my, the name popped up was John. John is my men's group. John loves to barbecue for our group. And I thought, you know what? Maybe, maybe John would be willing to do this. Maybe. I just shot in the dark, I'm going to do it. So Beth said, there's hundreds of people. We need this made. And so I called, I called John and I texted him and within an hour he called me back and he said, Brooks, uh, what's going on? And I told him everything that happened and someone fell through that was going to be doing it and, and all, think, of, think of all the children, John. Think of all the kids, right? Think, I mean, think of their heart. They're going to be crying because they're not going to have this, this pig butt, you know, this, this incredible food, you know, like, please. And you know what he said? Within 10 seconds, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I said, really, John? Really, you're going to do it? I shouldn't have said that because he could, pretty much could have changed his mind. But I said, really, John? And he said, he said, absolutely, I'd love to do it for them. That would be great. I want to use this barbecue I got for God anyway. So yeah, I'll do it. So he actually drove to the church, got all this meat, over 100 pounds of meat. And he said for the next 19 hours, he smoked, he smoked this meat. And he made it for all of these, these families and these kids. And I was so blown away by that. That is love. That is the love of God moved in his heart to serve another person, to say, you know what? That's a lot of work. That's a lot of effort. But something inside me is saying, I want to do this for another person. That's just the heart of God. And that's what he's building. That's what he's birthing in each of us. How about kindness? What does the word kindness mean? This kindness idea, it's, it's a tender heart. It's, it's not acting out of duty like, I've got to be good. I better be good because I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christian. Even though I really want to punch that person in the face and he deserves it. And in my heart, I've already punched him in the face. But I'm going to, yeah, whatever. All right, whatever, man. And then he's gone. No, it's a tenderized heart. It's a heart that is willing to just to love and to respond even when, like Christ, even when Christ, I was just reading the Gospels, the Gospel of John, which we're going to be getting into soon. But even when, when Christ was, was mistreated and, and he was spoken down to and just demeaned, his response was kindness 
in response. And that blows me away. And that is what God wants to build in our hearts is kindness. How about self-control? How about self-control? Self-control is this idea of restraint. Showing restraint. Sometimes when I find myself struggling with restraint, whether it's whether what I'm eating or my anger or my lack of patience, I have to remind myself like, God, self-restraint and self-control does not come from inside me. The type of divine self-control I need comes from one place, God alone. So what that's showing me is, God, I need you more in my life. I need your help, God. So the crazy thing and the most awesome thing about it is God wants to help us. God wants to transform us. He wants to build in us a new heart. So how do we do that? Well, we need to cultivate this habit, these habits of what a spirit-led life looks like. Because the truth is, we will never drift into a spirit-led life. It's a choice. Remember we talked about at the top, it's a conflict. Do we choose to be in alignment with the Holy Spirit in our life or are we aligning with our flesh? When we align with our flesh, when something comes up, we let it go. We just let it fly. We let it keep coming. But if we find ourselves in alignment with the Spirit, when the flesh comes, we could say, nope, not today. That's not how I'm going to live. But how do we do that? We need, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. See, one way we talked about the first week is that we actually need to let the Holy Spirit have access to every part of who we are. Every, every room in our house, in our heart, every part of who we are, we need to give the Spirit access and then let the Holy Spirit do a work in us. Let Him teach us and, and to help us to follow Him. And we must learn to walk in the Spirit. Remember I, I highlighted, and said, hey, underline, highlight, whatever, pay attention to the Spirit. Well, I want to go back to verse 16. Remember in your text when Paul says, walk by the Spirit? Again, I want to get a little bit of the Greek here. The walk is a present tense verb. You know what that means? It's not something that you did once. It's something that we do every single day, moment by moment. We learn to walk with God. We learn what it means every day to submit ourselves to him. And then look at verse 25. He says, since we live by the Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, so I want to talk about walk for a moment. It's kind of the same idea as implied here. We're talking about living by the Spirit. Okay, so what does it mean to walk? Well, walk is a metaphor in the Bible. It's used in the Old Testament. It's also used many, many, many times by Paul. Walk in the light. He talks about all the time. It's this metaphor for how we live our daily life. And what does it mean? It means, are we open to the guidance and the instruction of God through the Holy Spirit every single day, every moment of the day? Are we willing to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say about our life? When we feel the flesh come up and the Spirit checks it, are we willing to obey and to listen and to lean in to what the Holy Spirit has to say? You see, um, there's something I've been trying to, a habit I've been trying to develop in my life lately is when I wake up in the morning is even just praying to the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, help me please to grow the fruit of you in my life. Help me, God, to be able to submit and to walk with you today into every meeting I have, into my time with my girls, into my evening as I'm washing the dishes. Help me to do that. Um, I'm going to share one last story here. Um, 
My family and I, we are a rain kind of a family. Anybody here like the rain? Anybody like the rain here? I love the rain. We never get rain here, so whenever it rains, I'm always like, let's go outside in the rain. Never, I'm not necessarily saying I want to drive in the rain, but let's go outside in the rain. So while my wife was working, and it was raining a couple weeks ago, I said to June and Remy, I said, hey, June and Remy, do you want to go out for a walk in the rain? What do you think they said? Heck yes, let's go, right? They, they, we had to get dressed, got all these jackets on, got our rain boots on. I, I, for some reason, I wasn't thinking it was going to be raining that hard, so I think I just had slippers on and like no jacket, right? So we were walking around. It started pouring. You remember a couple weeks ago it was pouring rain outside? Well, the fullers were out in that rain, okay? We were walking around. And as we were walking down this one path, I turned and looked, and there was actually, over across the street, was this dirt trail that I knew about. And the thing is, I wanted us to go there, okay? So I said, hey, let's go walk that way. And they both, at first, were like, yeah, let's do that. Let's go, let's go for it. And Remy said, Dad, I want to get on your shoulders. So I picked her up, and I had Remy on my shoulders. And we're walking June across the street. And at, when we started the walk, June was right by my side, right? Right with me. And as we started walking, all of a sudden I turned around, I look, and June had run backwards. She was through with the dirt road. She wanted to go back to where we were. And I said, no, no, June, trust me. There's some beautiful flowers right up here. I just can't wait to show you these beautiful flowers. Come back with me. So I convinced her to come back with me. So she started walking by my side again. And the next thing you know, she went sprinting off ahead. And it was pouring at that time, right? And it was getting dark. And I was worried about the coyotes. And I was worried about some of the stuff that was along the road. That There was some metal I thought she might cut herself on. And so I was calling her back, Junie, Junie, come back. Just stay with me. Just stay with me. Just walk right beside me. That's all I want for you is just walk right beside me. As I was holding Remy and I was holding June's hand, I felt like the Lord spoke right to my heart. Brooks, that's what I want for you too. I just want you right here with me. I don't want you running backwards to your old life. Because don't forget, Brooks, you crucified that life. That life brought you nothing but trouble. I don't want you running ahead Because you're just missing out what I have for you right now, right here. What I desire for you is just to be here with me. And I'll instruct you. I'll guide you. I'll direct you. Don't fret. Don't worry. I'll give you what you need when you need it. But right now, let's just rock. Let's just walk together. It doesn't matter if you are a young person or you've been a Christian for many years of your life and you're, you're an older person. The Holy Spirit wants the same thing for each of us. That we would walk every moment of our life with him and we'd invite him into our life and we let him do a work that only the Holy Spirit can do. See, the measure by which we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life, the amount of access that we give him is the measure by which our lives transform. So today, as we kind of close, I just, I want to throw this question out there. What areas of my life do I need to give to the Holy Spirit? What areas of my life am I holding on access to right now? Where do I need to lean in and to walk with him today? So let's just take a moment. Let's just, just in our own hearts, just bow your hearts before the Lord. And just take a moment and just open your heart up to the Lord. Speak to the Holy Spirit. There's some of the flesh that you see that you're battling. Speak to the Spirit. Spirit, I crucify the flesh. I need your help to not go back to it. 
Spirit, I need to be more kind. I need your help with self-control today, Lord. I need you to change me, Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for this transformational work that you're doing in our hearts, God. Please help us to be kind, Lord. Help us to experience your love in our hearts that transforms us, Lord, so we could be men and women that are loving towards those we love the most. And Lord, especially towards those we struggle to love, God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just do a work right now in our hearts, Lord. If there's anybody here, God, that feels chained and bound, Father, I pray that you come in and cut those chains right now, Lord. By your power, Lord, by the power that raised Christ from the dead, I pray you just do an incredible work of freeing our people this morning, God. Lord, we love you. Help us, teach us what it means to walk with you every day, Lord, to be so sensitive to you, God. We need, we need you to, we need your help, God. So give us that strength, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.